All right, I want to thank everybody for joining us again for another episode of the Servant Leader Coaches Bible Study. I am super excited about this conversation that I am going to have. Today we have Servant Leader Coach Kevin Sutton, the Assistant Men's Basketball Coach at the University of Rhode Island. But more than anything, I've been watching Coach for quite some time and how we connected was only by God's path, only God's hand. And we've even been talking a little bit before we got on today, so there's no reason I'm going to hold it any further. Coach, I want to thank you for coming on. I'm going to go ahead and pass the torch to you so we can get this conversation started. Uh, absolutely. Thank you so much. Uh, good evening to everyone. Uh, thank you so much uh, for, for making it here tonight. Um, you know, investing of your time and of your energies, uh, you know, in yourself today um, is going to make you a better coach and a better, you know, servant leader tomorrow. Uh, Chelsea, uh, thank you for this invitation and this opportunity to speak with you and speak with your tribe. And I call it a tribe because uh, I have followed you and your platform and I've been extremely impressed. And the people that continue to follow you are going to continue to grow and continue to uh, uh, live out, you know, what they're, they're passionate about. And, and it's a reflection of you. So that, that, that makes it your tribe. But before you, I, you know, I, I go any further, you know, I, I just want to give, you know, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, his honor, you know, his praise, you know, and the glory. Um, because we are nothing, you know, uh, without him. Um, tonight, you know, I really want this to be about a conversation, you know, how we as coaches, as educators, we use our platforms to, you know, um, impart wisdom, impart knowledge, uh, we're empathetic, we're sympathetic at times, um, and, and using our emotional intelligence on, on the people that we serve. And when we take that opportunity to do so, um, we impact lives. So I just want this to be a conversation. I want to share my journey. Um, and then with the hopes that uh, it can help you write your own journey, you know, and write your own story. Uh, because no one should tell your story and no one should uh, ever have the opportunity to tell your story uh, before you do. And so, and that's what I have learned. And as we continue to grow as a part of the human race, uh, I want just to want to leave my imprint in the time that I'm here on as many people as I possibly can with this platform, you know, uh, between basketball and my faith. I think that's amazing, Coach. And one of the things that you just said that I love the most is no one should ever have the opportunity to tell your story before you. And what I heard in that is I don't need no rock to crowd in my place. No. That, no. I'm, I'm a translate. That is exactly what that was for me that I just heard that screaming from myself. And I'm so thankful that uh, you're your own screaming rock today. So coach, you know, as we kickstart this conversation, there's a lot, there's a lot that you have been leaving your footprints on. And I'm just so thankful that for that, but I want to dive into this term. It is the term, the punchline that I hear every time I hear Kevin Sutton and you use the term living trophies. And I love that because so many people talk about giving flowers while they can smell them and all these things. But you mentioned living trophies on so many of your endeavors. Can you talk to our listeners about where living trophies came about and then what your mantra is and how you've used that for so many different endeavors in your path? Uh, absolutely. That's a, that's a great question. Um, while I was the head coach at uh, Montverde Academy uh, in one of my teams went 30 and oh, Chelsea, and uh, and they were just a, a, a fantastic 
group of young men who are now men now. Uh, and it was 15 players. And after we won the championship, one of the reporters said, in one word, can you describe this team? Um, and I told him, I said, there's, there's not just one word. There's so many adjectives I could use to describe this team. But if you're going to back me into a corner, that one phrase would be living trophies. And he said, wow, I've never heard that term before. And I said, uh, yeah, I said, um, it's a term that I, I, I use uh, often because what it represents is that we as educators, as coaches, when we take the opportunity to pour into the people that we serve, uh, we have the opportunity as a ladle to either pour into them and fill their buckets up, or we have the opportunity as a ladle to take the water you know, out of their proverbial buckets. But uh, when you win championships, uh, we all get trophies and we put them in a trophy case. Then five years later, 10 years later, we, we bring that team back and we, we reenact that, that, that uh, ceremony, uh, that trophy ceremony. But when you take the opportunity to pour into people and you serve them first, um, they become your living trophies. And so that term has become my mantra. It has become my platform. And I think it, it enables anyone who hears the term to totally identify instantaneously as to what my calling is. So Living Trophies is just uh, something that I'm extremely proud of uh, because like I said, it is something that it helps the listener to understand what it is that, uh, that I stand for and, who do, and whom do I serve. And oh, by the way, uh, the 15 members on that team all eventually uh, earned scholarships to college at all different levels, and they all graduated from college, and now they're all successful uh, men, and many of them are fathers, many of them are coaches, and many of them are successful businessmen. And uh, just when you hear those stories um, when they were younger about what they wanted to do, and now you see them become what they have become, it just makes me uh, feel so fulfilled and so gratified to know that I had an opportunity to coach them and, and impact their lives. And for every reason you should, like, I think that is amazing. And it, and it helped to explain exactly what I have come to know and learn about you. Uh, as you mentioned, these young men that they have succeeded not only on the court, and that's the transfer skill that so many leaders have a hard time trying to find. I was looking at another interview that you did, and we have a commonality in our thought process where you have a different definition for the term win. And when I saw that, I said, did Coach Sutton somehow come and enter a phone call with me something before today? Because I tell people that all the time. It is an article, The Tragedy of the Commons, that I teach uh, in environmental science to talk about the term win. And I say that with my young ladies. You have to define win in a totally different way. So you mentioned that winning for you had a different definition. What did you mean by that? What does win mean to you as a coach? Yeah, you, you know what? Um, I had to come to that realization um, and, and, and I had to do a deep dive. And that's what I wanna you know, say tonight is that when you take the opportunity to do a, a deep dive into who you are and you start to figure out um, you know, who, who you are and what your negotiables and what your non-negotiables are, um, you're on your way to, you know, self-awareness. And for me, um, of course, I want to win every game that I, that I participated in. But for, for me, I, I quickly realized that 
I wanted to impact more lives with the platform that I had, not only as a basketball coach, but as a Christian, you know, to change lives, you know, I, I, and, and when I do that, and when we're able to do that, we were, our wins are more lasting and more fulfilling, you know, so I had to define what success was, and I, and I challenge everybody, you know, the listeners to do the same thing, you know, uh, challenge, you know, I challenge you to define what is success to you, um, because, if you take on someone else's definition of success, um, then you're you're going to shortchange yourself. So I, I would challenge them all to 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 learn and define what success is to them and what is winning to them. Because I, I think sometimes that you can have more points than your opponent and win the actual game, but if you don't perform and act the way you're supposed to and win in such a way, you actually lose. And then there's other times where you have fewer points than your opponent um, and you play just as hard and, and, and you don't have as many points and on the scoreboard, you didn't win. Um, but if you perform the right way and you carry yourself the right way, sometimes when you actually lose the game, you can win. So winning to me is uh, about, you know, playing the right way, uh, performing the right way, um, being, you know, gracious in victory and, and humble in defeat. That's gold. That is pure gold, coach. And I appreciate you for explaining that because I think so often that's missed, right? We can get so focused on the score on the scoreboard and so focused on that win and loss record. But at the end of the day, you said it so, like, so eloquently. Do we really win if we're winning that game, but we don't allow our young men and women to learn the values of what this game was supposed to teach them? I think that's amazing. You know, Coach, speaking of those values, and of course, naturally, you are great at what you do in those tangibles, but can you talk about some of those intangibles that you want to instill in those young men on a day-to-day basis, much like the 15 young men at Mount Verde that have gone on? What are some of the things you feel student athletes should have that are intangibles when they step outside the lines? How do you enhance them? Great question, Chelsea. Um, I, I think this starts with having three statements. I think it's important that as, as coaches and as leaders, you have to have a vision statement, you have to have a mission statement, and you also have to have a value statement. Um, and so the intangible things come in the, the value statement. What are, what are the things that I am willing to negotiate? What are some of the things that I'm not willing to, to negotiate? You know, and that comes from, again, your self-awareness of learning who you are and being comfortable in who you are. Um, for me, I'm never going to sacrifice uh, character um, for talent. Um, you know, I'm one of those guys that believe I can make you a better player, but I, I'm not certain that I can make you a better person. So I, I have to have people in my program that are, are of higher character and they value character and being a person of character, not a person who is a character. So integrity honesty, trustworthiness, you know, being a servant leader, you know, uh, one of my favorite Bible passages, the greatest among us became servant to all, you know, and so every program that I've, I've ever been a part of as the head coach, we've had a, a community service component. So you have to have a servant's heart. And so those are the things that I'm never going to negotiate. I'm never going to negotiate those things because those things are important to me and they're part of my, uh, uh, my value set, you know, so I, I want people who want to uh, buy and believe in me and buy what I'm selling them, you know, um, and that comes from having integrity, uh, loyalty, you know, honesty, you know, being truthful, um, being a servant leader, you know, uh, being, 
you know, persistent, you know, and having determination and grit and willing to work for everything that they've earned. Coach, I think that is amazing. And those are the things like I've never heard it, put it quite like that, shall I say. You got the vision statement, the mission statement, the value statement. But I think the, the best part of that is I'm not sacrificing character for talent. Never. I'm not sacrificing character for talent. And, and that right there, that's a statement all by itself. I don't even need to elaborate on that. I think that is amazing. And that is what we all should definitely be seeking for as coaches. You know, you mentioned servant leadership and I normally get to this towards the end of the call, but there's no time like the present since right. that's what we've been talking about. And that's why we're here today. You know, servant leadership are, you know, those two line words that you, you see people say, they put in their bios. And I said this all the time that servant leaders, leadership, those are action words, right? That's yeah. not something yeah. we just say that is like love is action. You could say you love somebody, but if your actions don't align, it's null and void. So when you speak about servant leadership and being a servant leader, what does that mean to you? And what does that look like in your walk at University of Rhode Island? Um, to, to me, servant leadership is really simple. Um, I, I, I try to live my life by the Bible passage, Luke 12, 48, to whom much is given, much is ex expected. Um, and so with that being said, I've been bl very blessed, you know, um, through this game of basketball and in, and in my life as well. Um, so I try to impart those things that I've been blessed with, and I try to live out those things as an example to the people that I service, you know, because if I can get them to believe in, then, and I touch their heart, then they will buy in to what it is that we're trying to accomplish, you know, through, then I'll touch their head. So you, you, you believe in becomes before buy-in. And so does touching a person's heart comes before touching their head. So a uh, servant leader to me is, and I say it all the time, if serving is beneath you, then leading is above you. And, uh, and I just really believe that, that, that if you are a servant leader, um, you can get so many more people to want to follow you um, because they believe in you. And then after they believe in you, then they buy into what it is that you you have to offer them, you know. And so uh, I, I love the phrase and I love the fact that you put it in terms of it's an action. It's all about action. It's all about action because we know the leadership comes in so many different forms. You know, there's a there's transactional relationships and transactional leadership where, you know, you know, uh, it's about a transaction. If I give you this, can we, you know, I'll get something from you in return. If you, if you, if I make you a better player, then we win a lot of games that I can get a better job. But, or, or are you the type of person who, who is about serving others and you have a transform, transformative relationship, you know, and where you can impart your wisdom and your knowledge and their growth and development and, and help them become successful and not look for anything in, 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 in return. You're just trying to transform them. You're just trying to believe in them and you're just trying to have them become the best, you know, they can possibly be. You know, Chelsea, I, I say it all the time. I'm, I'm a selfish coach, you know, and, and here's the reason why. Um, because if I pour into to, to you as a student athlete, you know, and make you a better person, um, and make you a better player. And then if you become, you get into coaching, um, you know, I have a young daughter who's 11 years old. I don't know which one of those guys are going to be her coach. Um, but if I, if I did it, did it right. And I poured into them, uh, selfishly, 
then I know that they will, if they happen to become her coach, uh, then I know I can sit up in the stands and don't have to micromanage. I, I know that she will be coached the right way and cared for and trusted and believed in, you know, and, and taught um, because hopefully I will have done the same thing for them. And that's amazing, right? We all have to make sure, and I say this all the time, I'm not just coaching players. I'm coaching individuals that need to be successful citizens of society. They're going to be your next doctors and lawyers and educators. And as you said, coaches. And if I do my job right, I don't have to worry like, oh, goodness, are they going to be okay? You know what I'm saying? If I know that I'm doing the right things, my mom used to say, when I clip your wings and you fly from the nest, you're going to be able to soar. You know, I'm not going to sit here and clip your wings and be like, is she okay? Did she fall out the nest? Know that I've equipped you the right way. And so when we serve properly and we coach and instill them the correct way, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to worry about it. Do you want an average surgeon? No, absolutely not. Says I made all C's. Come on now. You know, you walk to the dentist and it's like, I, I barely slid by, but let's see how this goes. You don't want that. So stop accepting mediocrity from these players. It's transferable. That's amazing, coach. Before we got on today, you and I were kind of, you know, hitting the ball running on a conversation. And I was loving how you expressed the fact that God has a way of showing up in coaches' lives. And people hear me say all the time, I'm working to normalize coaches of faith. And one of the things that I told you was, you know, it's amazing how when individuals come on, the people and the messages I receive, it's like, wait, really? Coach? Coaches okay with expressing his faith, coaches. So you talk a little bit with with us about the establishment of your faith journey. You know, I know we got to talk about the grandma a little bit before I came on, yeah. but just how your faith drives you and what you do. Yeah, you know what, my my, my faith is so in, in important to me. It, it is the it is the driving force. You know, before um, you know, I I had it I had it the reverse. You know, I had this, 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 this idea of basketball was my driving force. Um, you know, my grandmother, you know, she wore the big hat in church. She was a matriarch, you know, in, in a church. And, and my aunt was, um, you know, the choir, you know, she, she had the youth choir. So all of us, you know, all of our, our cousins singing, you know, in the choir and uh, in the rosebuds. And then, then age 13 came and I, and I was given the option. You know, we were all given the option to, you know, now you're on, you're of age where you can choose and decide when to go to church and when not to go to church before it was dictated to us. And I chose not to go to church, you know, in Chelsea. And what's interesting is uh, our church sat up on a hill and uh, there was a rec center and outdoor basketball court at the bottom, you know, of the hill. And if you sat on, if you shot the ball on the right side of the court, you looked up at the church. So guess what side of the, the, the court I shot on every day it was on the left side, every Sunday. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, and so, um, but what's interesting about that is that all the while, you know, the people of the church in, the, in my neighborhood were still praying for me, you know? And so then in 1992, you know, I, uh, you know, rededicated my faith, you know, uh, to Christ. And, and since 1992, it has been unbelievable what God has done in my life and, you know, through my life, through this game of basketball, when I put him first. Before I was uh, early in my faith walk, it was about um, going to church. Um, and then now it has become developing a personal relationship with Christ and learning who he is you know, and what he means to me and what he has for me, you know, and so, 
now I, I'm just honored to have the opportunity to serve, to, you know, serve the Lord and, and also um, use it in what I do as a, and as an educator. Uh, and so those two uh, platforms have been tremendous for me. And not that I, you know, stand on that rostrum and try to preach to anyone. Um, I just try to live out my faith and uh, in, in my Christian walk. Now, I'm not afraid of the gospel of Jesus Christ, nor am I afraid of if someone comes and asks me, what is it about me? And I'm quick to tell them it's my faith. And, I'm, uh, you know, and so for me, you know, these two things have went through a transformation where I have put, you know, Christ first, you know, in, in my career path second, but together it's been dynamic. It's just been simply dynamic. And it isn't, isn't it something, how much security we receive when we let him have it? You know, I was listening to um, Jeremy Foster uh, podcast this morning, Hope City Church. He's amazing. If you got shout out to Jeremy Foster, if you haven't Listen to him, listen to me. And what he was saying this morning was, you know, I'm on the cusp. I say this all the time. People are, always say, you're so young. You don't remember that. But I actually was on the cusp. And I think because I was really raised, you know, in country Gasden County with my grandparents and they raised me old school with my mom and she would teach me that. So I remember when the interstate full ITM wasn't completed yet. I remember having to actually take the highways to go to places, right? And I remember using maps. And what he was saying is, you know, we have a hard time following Christ. We do. He was like, you know, my pastor says we'll follow GPS. We'll, we'll trust an airplane pilot over the Atlantic. Don't even see him half the time unless you're a kid, right? We'll yeah. trust him to fly us. We'll trust somebody. We'll order our food and we'll trust them to go in the back and can't see them and bring it back and we still eat it. Yeah, God asks us to trust us, right? He says, trust me. And he, we want to know every little detail. Well, God, when you going to do this? When you going to do that? And he said, you remember with this map, he said, you used to have to look and chart it out. He said, and God forbid you were traveling from state to state. You had to get multiple maps. And he said, but then if somebody tells you, you don't need a map, just follow me. He said, and you'll get in the car and you'll say, okay. And you follow them. They're moving left or right. You can't catch up, but you follow them, not knowing where they're taking you. Yeah, God says, trust me, just follow me. And we have the hardest time doing that. We want to know every detail that he is trying to give us. And so I think that's so amazing that you put it that way. He'll make the path plain. We just got to trust him. Yeah. No, no, no question. And, and, and that's, that's well put because it's, it's about coming to that, that, that place where you are at peace with trust, mm -hmm. you know, just trust, you know, and we're all on our different faith walks and, and, and on our journeys and on our path, you know, and some are, some are, you know, at the beginning, some of us are in the middle and some of us are, you know, uh, you know, further down, further along, you know, in our Christian walk. And that's okay. You know, he, he just wants our heart, you know, and he just wants us to trust him. And if we just trust, like you said, uh, what he will do is what he said he will do. Amazing. Come on now. That's it, coach. You know, it's so funny when I talk to you, because I, I promise you, you would think we've talked numerous times before. And it, it's amazing to me because you hit on something that's very important. Everyone is on separate faith walks, right? You know, some of us started early in life, some of us started later in life, some of us started, stopped, left, came back, right? And so what I find is the hardest part. I was talking to somebody the other day and they were like, you know, I just need you to pray for me. I said, it's no problem, right? 
And they were like, I just don't know what to pray. I said, see, religion messes us all up. Religion messes us all up because it makes us feel that you have to do this grandioso prayer and say all these fancy, smancy words. But let me tell you something. When you are truly in need of him, when you are truly in need of God to come urgently, I promise you, much like a child today, mama just going to say mama or help or scream. It's not no grandioso conversation. When you need him, it's father. It's help me. Lord, please, you know. And I love how you put it when you said that at the end of the day, I just have to search for his heart and he's going to show up and he's going to help him. We just have to trust him. Can you talk to the coaches out there for a moment? Those coaches who are having a hard time, rather it be because of their title, where they are, maybe it's not, I don't want to say frowned upon, but they're not a comfortable walking their walk. We don't have to Bible beat. We don't have to put it on our foreheads. But can you talk and give an encouraging word to the coach that's struggling with living out their faith and their truth as we work to normalize coaches of faith? Yeah, you know what? I, this this is what I say. Uh, it, it is come to the realization that you matter and come to the understanding of who you are. And when you do, you all you can be as authentic and intentional about who you are, you know. And again, it's it is not it's not about I, I don't you know, like you said I'm not toting the Bible or you know anything like that. It's just about living it out and being consistent with who. Make sure that who you say you are is consistent with who you actually are, you know. And so just continue to to stay on your stay in the Word. Continue to st- serve the Lord. Um, wherever you are and in whatever capacity that, that, that it is, you know, and just know that um, you matter. And because you matter, uh, there's someone that's watching you and someone that sees in you uh, Christ. And that's all that does matter. Um, you don't have to have a, you know, a title. You don't have to have a platform. You can just simply just live your life in such a way that people are interested and say, what is it about Chelsea? Man, it's something different. I, I, need to, I need to learn, you know, and people are going to want to learn about you. So I, I, I just challenge you to be, you know, as intentional as you possibly can, being authentic as you possibly can. But you, it starts with understanding who you are, you know, as an individual. So do the deep dive into who you are and find out who you are and what are the things that are negotiable? What are the things that are non-negotiable? And be consistent that your words and your actions line up. That's good, coach. Thank you for that. That is so good. You know, and oftentimes I think that is exactly what it is. It is, you know, the approach. It is the walk. And it's the consistency. Mm-hmm. I think that is just it. You know, you remind me of Coach Chris Crider. Shout out to him, Georgia State. Uh, he actually connected us. And that is one of the things he spoke about. He says, it's not my job to tell you, oh, this is this, this is this, do this. It's my job to walk my faith. It's my job to not speak scripture, but to live it. And mm-hmm. when you do that, individuals will notice there's something different. And once they try to figure out well, what is it so different about them? Why and how is she smiling when I know what she just endured? And at that moment, when they recognize there's something different, then they'll be open to listening to what it is. So, and and I, and, I, and can I give you an example of that? Please do. Yeah. Okay. So, um, in 1996, um, I was an assistant coach at a 
school in uh, Frederick, Maryland called St. John's Prospect Hall. Um, it was a, a really good high school basketball program. And one of my um, players by the name of Cameron Dollar, who's now an assistant coach um, at University of Washington, went to UCLA and won a national championship there. Well, Cameron was our starting point guard. And um, Cameron and I used to go to church every Sunday. And the church service started at eight o'clock at Ebenezer AME Church in Fort Washington, Maryland. And we lived an hour away. And so we were coming back from a tournament um, and we got back like one o'clock in the morning. And I said, Cam, I'm not sure I'm gonna go to church tomorrow. And he's like, coach, we gotta go. And I was like, you know, Cam, I'm, I'm not sure, man. I I'll call you in the morning. And he said, coach, we gotta go. So the following Sunday morning, I call him, we go to church. Do you know that was the day he gave his life to Christ? Wow. And he is on fire for the Lord ever since. That's and so, so that goes back to your point about just, just living your life in such a way, you know, he, he saw, you know, in me, Christ. And he saw in me, you know, why I was fired up for the Lord, why, you know, when we rode together, you know, when gospel music was being played. And we, we start going to church, start going to church, start going to church. And then he start his life start changing. But interestingly enough with that, Chelsea, he grew up, his, his uncle is Carefalo Dollar. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's his uncle, you know, and so, but he 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 saw his uncle as a preacher. He didn't know Christ. Mm. Now, coach, that was huge. I'm gonna need you to say that one again. That was big. Yeah, it, it, I mean, he, he Cam saw his uncle being a preacher, and but he he did not know at that time what 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 it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ so he knew what religion was but he didn't know what it meant to have a personal relationship with Christ he didn't know what it meant to be spiritual he didn't know what it meant to have a uh, a walk and and live out his faith and then when he found it at Ebenezer AME Church um, it was amazing to, and then to see his transformation you know, to understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Christ and an understanding of religion. I think that's huge. That's why I need you to say that again, because I, I, how often is that? You take out that relationship of uncle and you insert mom, dad, coach, sister, brother, you know, wherever. And that's what happens. Oftentimes we get so caught up in the titles. Yes. So caught up in what we see. And as people will say, playing church, that you are missing these people, you are missing your opportunity to help them really see who Christ is. We're giving people religion, but we're not giving them who Christ is. They're not understanding that relationship or opening up the path to who he is. That's gold, coach. That's gold. You know, coach, I can only imagine as you are doing all of your endeavors, coaching and leading, being a, a husband. Uh, being a father, all of these things, doing your own um, show that we'll get on and just get to talk about in just a second. How do you fill your cup? We always hear people say you cannot pour from an empty cup. We cannot serve if we're on E. 
do you do to get back to balance? What are some things we can talk to coaches about today that's listening on when their cup is running on E, nothing else is in there, not even a drop. <laughs> what do you do to fill your cup back up? Justin, you, you, you must be reading my mind because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, for, for me, it, it is a daily reading, reading the word, God's word. Uh, um, I do a daily devotional. Uh, my son for, and his, his fiance, I'm sorry, his, his wife for Christmas, you know, bought me a, um, a Pastor Joel uh, inspirational uh, declarations, affirmations, you know. Uh, so I read through those and listen through those. Um, it is, you know, listening to, 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 to podcast. Um, it is listening to music, you know, gospel music, you know, Christian music. Um, it's listening to uh, other people, to be really honest with you, to see where I can impact their lives. I, I, my wife says it all the time, she said, you gain a great deal of satisfaction out of touching other people. And I do. And I always have, you know, so my bucket gets filled when I have the opportunity to fill up someone else's bucket, you know, um, in one way, shape or form or another. And, and, and it's interesting because people will say, man, that was right on time. But it's, I will say, well, God spoke to me to speak to you. So, you know, that's, that's how I feel my, my bucket is just trying to, uh, you know, uh, positivity, as well as trying to continue to, to impact people that, that I, I come in contact with, you know, and, and develop relationships with. Uh, so I, I get filled up that way. I think that's good, you know, and much of the same. That's me, you know, nine times out of 10, whatever I'm doing, I'm the person that TV can be on and I'm watching it, but in my ear, there's a podcast flowing. Yeah. Or my my gospel play, you know, playlist is going because that balances me. It's almost like I can literally feel being everything, that energy pouring back into myself from what I output. But I with you there and I can totally relate that we, it, it's a two-way street. We get depleted because we're serving. But when we touch others, it also fills us back up. And most people don't get that. You know, they're like, you're always running, you're always moving. But that's true servant leaders. They feel by helping someone else. They know that they're a lot in life. Coach Brittany Ezell, shout out to her. I, I mention her often because she's so impactful. She always talks about, I don't, I don't have to, I get to. Mm. Honor to serve. Mm. I don't have to. I get to. And she always talks about, I don't want my resume to be longer than my eulogy. It's eulogy living. When I get to God, I want to be tired. That's exactly what she says. No question. Me overboard because I'm like, yes, exactly. Like, and I told her, I said, I want to be hanging on my knees, panting right there with you. Because when you work for your servant, well done versus worldly congrats and awards, it's a different path you begin to take. Yeah, I, I, absolutely. I, I one thing that I say all the time is is you know to anyone who's willing to listen is be a giver of hope, and I use the the word hope as an acronym is help other people excel. Just be a giver of hope, you know, uh, and and it's written in God's word: faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. But hope is such a, 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 a to me it's a beautiful word, you know, um, because it's inspiring. You know, and when you take the opportunity to serve other people, is you're trying to help them. You're, you're trying to help other people excel. That's good. And coach, I'm gonna tell you why that's really good. One, it's just it just was so perfectly said. 
But the other reason is how often in leadership in our titles and positions that we feel that helping others somehow diminishes our elevation. You know, we will want to hoard what we know. We want to duck and dodge a call that you could probably put in or someone you can attach somebody with. And we're saying that we want to help other people excel, but do we really? Because I feel like if I, well, if I give him this number, maybe he may make an advancement before me. So can you talk a little bit about one, I'm going to make this two part, how important it is to reach back and help the next generation or even your peer and how important mentorship is in this walk of coaching and servant leadership? Yeah, well, that's a great question. And and to answer the first part, um, we're we're all standing on the shoulders of people that have gone before us, you know, and blazed trails or like I always say, you know, some people push the snow to the left and some people push the snow to the right. So I can go straight on, 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 on straight down the road without having to worry yeah. about you know, getting stuck in the snow. So we're standing on the shoulders of, you know, people that have gone before me, you know, and gone before you. So we have the, the responsibility and we have the obligation to reach back and help others, you know, and pull them along, you know, and, and, and if we pull them along, uh, you know, hopefully we're making, you know, the time that we have, you know, here on earth better. Um, and even if you, when you're pulling them along, you pull them in such a way that you propel them beyond you, it's okay. You know, because again, you have to understand that, you know, uh, who you are and, and whom do you serve. Um, and so if you have a servant's heart, then, you know, when you're helping other people, it, it really shouldn't matter. And to answer the second part of that question, mentorship to me is everything. You know, it is absolutely everything. I, I thoroughly enjoy, you know, mentoring the people that have asked me to be their mentors, um, either directly or indirectly. <laughs> um, I, I think mentorship, leadership, you know, they go hand in hand. Um, I think that it's important that we continue to pour into other people. You know, and we help people, you know, excel and we help people to continue to advance and more importantly than anything else, we just share our knowledge. Um, because when, you, when you're a mentor and you share your knowledge and you share your Rolodex um, of connection of people that you have and you're helping other people, to me, that's a, you're showing that you're secure in who you are. You know, because if I'm not secure in who I am, I'm not going to uh, uh, give you, you know, what, what you need to be successful. But if I am secure in who I am, then I, then I will happily give it to you. And I'll give you an example of that. I've coached high school basketball, you know, for a long, long time. And I've started, you know, I was the head coach in three high school, nationally ranked high school basketball programs. And in all three of those, those programs, I would invite teams from around the area to come in and uh, either work out with our players or come into our gyms and our open gyms and, People would always say, well, why are you inviting other teams over, coach? We're going to play them. And, uh, and I would say to them all the time, it's like, because I'm secure in our ability of what we do. I'm not insecure. And I hope that you are, will develop what it takes to be secure. You know, I'm not worried about if we play them, you know, uh, during the season. It's okay. We're getting better. Iron sharpens iron. And we're going to get better. Um, and so I'm secure and letting them see what we do and how we do it. Cause you can rest assured they're taking the back what they see and they're doing it. 
<laughs> you better believe it, right? But no, I love that. And, and I think you're absolutely right. Much of the same, you know, Coach, you also mentioned, uh, you know, I love the hope portion. You also mentioned in terms of being able to mentor and help. There's another key piece of leadership that I feel is important, but I also feel that it's becoming a lost art because that mentorship piece is not there. There's this word discernment, okay? And a lot of us feel we have it, right? That's not always the case. And I feel that discernment comes also from inside. People always tell me I have an old soul, but I told you I grew up on the cusp where it was little things like, you know, you don't talk and be in the midst of grown folks conversations. You know what I mean? Don't children don't dwell where the adults do. I grew up in that era. That just yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. That was just it. You didn't say but you, you know what I'm saying? You didn't say behind you, you better not say lie. That's how I grew up, right? And so in those things that young people today look like, why? Why can't you say lie? And I'm like, sweetie, I don't know. You didn't ask questions. It was out of respect. That respect and everything that was taught. You also learn things that I would hear my grandmother, my grandfather, my mom, they would say, mm -mm, that just doesn't sit right. And I wouldn't know, what do you mean? What do you feel? <laughs> what do you see? You know, as a young lady, I couldn't understand that. But the older that I get, and most people don't understand it, I'll say, don't question me, just know that's not it, right? Mm -hmm. How important is discernment when leadership in leadership roles and positions when making decisions? Yeah, just, just discernment is is a vitally important. And discernment, again, goes back to having an understanding of who you are, what my vision statement is, what is my value statement, and what is my mission statement. And those can be evolving pieces of documents, you know, they and they should be because we live in, an, in, a, in a world that continues to evolve. But at the same token, when you have clarity of thought, of knowing who you are, and you have spent time thinking about, here's what my what, what uh, here's my vision for what this program is going to look like. Here's what my mission statement is. Here's what my value statement is. Okay, discernment directs you right, you know, back to that, and and you know that it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. These, this statement that this program that you're becoming a part you want, you think you want to become a part of, you have to understand this is a holistic approach to development. If you're not for that, I'm okay with that. You can go off and be, you need to, you need to go to someplace else. And people would say, you know, like, Hey, how can you, how can you, you just sent away a really good player. Well, I know that he would not be successful or she would not be successful in, in my program. So that the discernment is really, really important because it comes from a, a perspective of clarity of thought of action and the consistency of those two, the thought and action being consistent. I think that's good. And I think the, the whole portion of it, what I tell people all the time, you know, they'll say, Chelsea, you know, tell me a little bit about, about you, like explain to me who you are. And I was like, honestly, you know, when it comes down to it, I could give you a whole list, but I know who I am because my identity is in Christ. And exactly what you said, we know his vision for us. We know what his teachings are, but we also know our core values. It's really hard at that point when you're securing them to deviate from them. Mm -hmm. I think that's awesome, coach. You know, 
talk to us a little bit about this Living Trophies show that you have that has developed almost approaching a year. And I've taken a look. I appreciate what you said about my guests and what I have going on. But coach, you have some heavy hitters on there yourself. And so I know within the season, you've had to kind of press pause on that for a bit. But can you talk to our listeners about, you know, Living Trophies, what you're doing with that endeavor? And of course, naturally, I'm sure when the season is at its end, you'll be picking back up. So let them know where to look, what to look for and where to find it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's called the uh, Living Trophies Master Zoom class. And we all know that, that you know, the coronavirus hit and all of a sudden we, the whole world shut down and we're in the middle of a pandemic. Well, then Zoom um, started to jump up around March and April. And I was asked to, uh, to be on several Zooms talking about the game of basketball and how to navigate your coaching career and how have I, you know, topics like that and, and how have you maintained a 35-year you know, coaching career. And, you know, Chelsea, I was in the middle of one of the, the Zooms that I was doing, conducting, and I, I had an epiphany. And, and I still laugh about it because I went back the other day to watch it and, and I paused in the middle of giving my speech because the Lord spoke to me and he said, this is your platform that you have been asking for. And so I finished the Zoom and I ran downstairs to my wife and my, my, my youngest daughter, you know, and said, I found it. And they were like, oh, well, that's good. I was like, no, no, you don't understand. I found it. I found my landing spot because I felt like I was a professor, you know, teaching an online class and it happened to be about basketball. And so I, I shared it with my wife and, you know, she, she, uh, she backed me up and she supported me. Um, and then I said, you know what, I'm just going to start a Zoom. I'm going to call it the Living Trophies Master Zoom class. And I'm just going to bring people on that I know want to learn about the business side and professionalism that, that goes with basketball, not the Xing and Owen. Because we were in, a, in that April time frame, we people didn't want to basketball, people, you know, Xing and Owen. We were in the middle of a, a pandemic that we had never been involved with it. But right. I, I really felt that you know uh, what we were gonna do, and I wanted to talk about the business of basketball and how we have the opportunities to be servant leaders and what that what that responsibility looked like. So what I did was I just start calling and reaching out to people and they people loved it and then everybody had time on their hands. And so then I just start reaching out to people that I had really good strong relationships and our vision lined up. And we've had incredible guests and we've tackled some incredible topics and people have been so giving. And Chelsea, it's amazing. You know, uh, just give you an example, like Tommy Amaker, the head coach at Harvard came on there. I mean, there are people that would pay him a lot of money and he stayed on there for two hours because he felt the energy from the group and just that they wanted to learn. They wanted to become better people. They want to become better leaders. They didn't ask him any question about how to attack a two, three zone. They asked him how he ran his program and he was so open and so giving. Um, and then we've just continued to go on. We've had authors on there. We've tackled topics, you know, like race and sports and mental health and the intersection of all three of those. And it's just continued to grow and people come and it's just a great tribe. And you're right. We push pause because of my season, um, because I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stickler for consistency. Um, so once the season is over, 
Um, we're going to pick it back up and we got uh, year two, season two, if you will, is going to be phenomenal. And that the people that are going to come on there are just going to really impact lives and uh, in, in a mighty, mighty way. Because one thing that we say, you know, in a living trophy master Zoom class is, you know, love the game, but learn the business. And the quicker that you can learn that it is a business, then you will start making business decisions, not emotional decisions. Coach, that's good. I mean, that's good. And let me tell you, when you do start it back up, I'm definitely going to be paying attention. Yes, you are. Yes, yeah, you do. I'm paying attention. I've already been going back looking at the old one since you told me about it, so I'm ready for it. Uh, go ahead, Coach. Coach Patrick Curry, uh, Washington Adventist. I met you a long time ago, man, like yes, 10 sir. years ago hey, man. Yeah, man, at a conference. And um, I just wanted to ask you, I followed your career for a minute. I'm a big fan. So I, I, when you was coaching at uh, St. John's, I was a freshman at Tacoma Academy. That's right. So I went to the game when y'all, man, y'all had Capel and Teasley. It was crazy. But um, I wanted to ask you now, you know, 20 years later. Yes. What would you tell yourself 20 years ago? Not about a basketball sense, but in terms of the servant leadership of how you've grown over time. Like, what would you, if you could go back and say, yo, just do this. I think about all the time for what I could tell myself, you should do this 10 years ago. But like, what would you tell yourself from 20 years ago when you maybe when you were leaving Mount Verde? Yeah, um, I, first of all, I, Coach, I really appreciate that question. And, and you work with uh, one of my good friends, uh, Jerry McFarland. That's my guy. And, uh, that's a great person. Um, what I would tell my, my younger self is simply this, you know, um, as much as I love the game of basketball, you have to understand and learn that it is a business. You know, early in my career, um, I stayed in high school for emotional decisions. I didn't make business decisions. And I have no regrets because back then the game was, you know, and the business was a little different than it is now. But I would say to my younger self, you know, learn, I mean, love the game no question about it, but learn that it is a, a business. So you have to make uh, business decisions sometimes. Mm-hmm. Really great question. Really great question. You know, and, I, and that's the, that's the beauty of it all is how we all connect. Like that's the part that I love. It's like, Hey, you remember me from such and such. And that's the beauty of it. And going back to you, you know, actually having your epiphany, uh, while you were on that Zoom to start the masterclass. Isn't it something that how God talks to you? And he will. He will get you at the most, I don't want to say inopportune times, but he'll get you when you caught off guard. Like, you really, you talking to me right now in the midst of the interview? Really? <laughs> and I feel the same way because sometimes when he hits you, it's just like, I hear you. Yes, I hear you. You coming right now, but I hear you. But I honestly believe, and I don't know, I can't ever speak for how God moves, but you know, you were in a position where you couldn't do anything but sit and hear him. Where were you going? You were in an interview. So you have to sit right here and hear me and you don't get to talk back because you're in an interview. So you have to stay focused. I love it. And I'm so glad that you answered the call because so often we'll hear him and we'll say, no, there's no way he's calling me. He'll give us instruction and we'll say, no, I'm not. I'm not equipped for that. I'm not ready for that. But as I continue to say, and this has been a theme for probably the past week, is that God never, ever said that he's going to only call the qualified. He's going to qualify the call. And as long as you agree, 
and just say, send me. Here I am, send me. He's going to give you everything that you need. And you know what's funny, Chelsea, is that, that Psalms 46.10 says, be still and know that I am God. I'll hear and then, you know, there's so many examples in the, you know, in the Bible, you know, how about when, 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 when God called Moses and Moses said, I, I stutter and I, and I stammer, you yep. know, he said, I know, I already know all that. So I'm gonna send your brother, Aaron, he'll be your spokesman, you know, and then, and now we talk about that and, 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 and it's so interesting because, you know, uh, the things that we ask for, <laughs> It's amazing that he gives us to gives us to us in our in his time. Mm-hmm. You know, we always try to say, well, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Oh, I don't know, you know, but he knows. He yeah. knows. And we just again it goes back to that word trust. We have to know. That's yeah. it. I was telling um, who was I talking to the other day? It escapes me now. Oh, uh Jonathan Jones. Uh he actually uh, his podcast dropped today. And so you'll have to go listen to it. But I was telling him. It actually was a past uh, assistant principal of mine. He's actually a minister as well. And he was doing a sermon. One of the things the pandemic has allowed us to do is be able to be in everyone's church, right? Yeah. You know, if you're normally in your church. You couldn't go visit. I'm like, y'all, I sing at church. I can't come visit. I'm sorry. But now you could go to everyone's church. I've been to my coach in North Carolina's church, you know? And he was talking about, isn't it funny how, you know, the old song, he's an old time God. Yes, he is. And then you back it up by saying, yes, he is. You just said he's an all-time guy. You backed it up by saying, yes, he is. But yet you still won't trust him. <laughs> you know, I, I just, and it's so funny when it comes down to, he said, you just said he's an all-time guy. You said, oh, yes, he is. So you confirmed it. You second that motion. And then because you won't, because he won't come on your time, he's not on. That's what it says. And the second verse says, you know, he may not come when you want him. Come on, but yeah, if you were on time, come on, coach. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I see my boy Jared on here. Go ahead, Jared. Hey, how you doing, Chelsea? How's everybody doing? Everybody's um, good, man. Thank you. Good. First, I want I want to say, um, Chelsea, I, I've been following this all summer, and uh, I have my my uh, my boss, my mentor, my brother on the call, Coach Curry. Um, I'm the the head women's basketball coach at. Uh, Washington at Venice Coach Sutton and um I, I've you know your your name has you know ever since uh high school you coached uh Coach Muckle yes absolutely and so that that was my high school coach and um I had an opportunity to serve with him at Salisbury for two years and mm-hmm. um you know he's uh probably you know the biggest influence in in my basketball career and not only that but uh personal as well and um you know i i wouldn't have been able to have the opportunity to to coach um at wau if it hadn't been for coach merkel and coach clary mm-hmm. um and we had no idea each other were going to be on the call tonight either so um uh but my, my question to you is um i'm a new i'm a new father i have a 15 month year old twins Praise um God. I, i'm yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, it's my eighth year as a head coach and, um, and of course, you know, married. Um, the question I had for you is, um, you know, being a father, um, you know, uh, you know, um, being married, can you talk a little bit about, um, maybe some things you might've done differently in the early stages, um, especially as, you know, I'm fortunate enough to be home during the you know the pandemic um 
with our season, you know, being canceled. And, and I'm, I'm very blessed and, and grateful for that. You know, even though I miss being with the team and, and playing and competing, but um, when we do go back, I, I'm already foreseeing, you know, some challenges. And um, I know I have my brother on here that has, you know, shared with me, but with, with you being seasoned, what are some things that you would tell a, a father, um, a newly father, um, and and uh yeah some tips on on you know the conversation balancing, with the balancing, yeah the balancing yeah, life, yeah. life career yeah yeah, yeah. well uh, first first and foremost um yeah josh merkel was very special you know to me um and you have an opportunity to to work with him and have him in your life is a great thing and it's interesting i was listening to a podcast that he gave uh i listened to about two weeks ago and he mentioned you um, so he has a, a, an affinity for you as well. And he sees a great deal of uh, a bright future in you. So just so you know that. Uh, but to answer your question, um, the work-life balance uh, to me is really simple. <laughs> I want to be a hero at home. That's, that's, that's my answer. I, I want to be a hero at home. I, I absolutely love this game of basketball and, and then love the career that it has given me and provided for my family. Um, but I, I want to be a hero at home uh, to, to my, to my family. Um, and so, you know, the, the decisions that I make, uh, is, you know, it, it, is this going to jeopardize or harm my family? And if it is, then I, I can't do it. You know, um, you know, is this the best interest, uh, for our family? You know, then I, then I can't do it because if you're not careful, this business of sports can gobble you up and spit you out. And being an African-American, it can, it can gobble you up quicker and spit you out further. Mm-hmm. And then you will have sacrificed the most important thing with your family, your faith, and those two beautiful children that God placed under your care. Those children were, you, you, you prayed for them. You asked the Lord for healthy children. And he gave you the answer and he gave them to you and he entrusted you with them because they're his. So I say to you, don't, don't, don't ever jeopardize your family for a job. Don't ever do that. Cause too, too oftentimes you see people uh, get to proverbial top and they have nothing and no one to share it with. They got, they got, they got to the top, but they look around they have nothing. They have sacrificed it all. So uh, that that that's me. If I if, if I never make it to the top, and so long as when I come through that door, that you know my kids <laughs> greet me and my wife greet me, and I got two dogs and they greet me, I'm a hero at home. We literally did not talk. I mean, me and Coach was in the office today. For like how long? Six, seven hours together? Our offices yeah. are three feet from each other. Mm-hmm. And neither of us said that we were coming on today. And we, we popped on today. So that just tells you, I mean, and today, most of our conversation was about what? Non-basketball stuff, yeah. like yeah. kids yeah. going to school. So I know you just said, you know, reaching the mountaintop. Like to us, you're already there. So like you, you, you got people that look up to you from afar that might not have a, a personal relationship with you. Um, but we've looked up to you on, on how you do things, how you present yourself um, in the public and in private. And we appreciate you. I'm big on giving people their flowers while they can hear them. 
So we just want to let you know we definitely appreciate you um, and what you're doing for the basketball community as a whole. Well, I, I appreciate that. And like I said in the introduction, you know, you guys coming on tonight, the people who chose to come on tonight uh, have made an investment in yourselves. And that's the most important investment you can make because today you got tonight, hopefully you're getting better. Uh, um, and then that means that the next time that you're with the people that you serve, they're going to be better because you're going to impart some things that you learn. And not everything that we say, Chelsea and I say, you know, tonight uh, may not resonate with you today. It may not touch your heart today. Okay. It may not have value today, but you heard them. And at some point when they become of value to you, you will know exactly where you heard them. And then just live out your life. And that's what I say to every, every, every person. I say, you, you look at me now, um, but I, I've had struggles and continue to have struggles just as I look at you and see that you're, you may have had struggles and you're going to have struggles. You know, The Bible is divided into thirds. One third of the Bible is people that are about to go through a storm. One third of the Bible is the people that are in a storm. And one third of the Bible is people who are coming out of the storm. But if they trust in the Lord, they will, they will make it through in all three of those things. So I, I thank you for, 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 for coming on you know, today you know, and listening to, to the things that I have to, to say. Um, because that, what I'm saying tonight comes you know, straight from, from, from my heart. And I will say this for a third time, the trifecta, that is gold. That is gold, you know, and, and, I, and I think that that is the whole reason why we're here, right? You know, get out there and I hear it all the time. It's bigger than basketball. It goes beyond the lines, right? And as we work to, you know, be better people, right? You know, we're in these positions, but we can't forget who positioned where we, us where we are, right? And he called for us to be better people, better servants. And so when I watch people like yourself, you too, Patrick, you too, Jared, like, I just feel that this world and God's people are in great hands. You know, I was looking, cause I'm looking in different places and that, that coach that I told you I was able to visit, shout out to him, uh, coach Bates. I love you, man. He, he is one of those people. I was telling my players today and I think about you, your players and y'all too, as well with your players he was the one that you could have the worst game ever and you come out and he just hold your hand and say, God bless you. How you be mad after that? <laughs> you can have seven turnovers and he gonna hold your hand and say, God bless you, <laughs> you know? And so, you know, for so much of that and just as an athlete, I know the amazing coaches and mentors that I had and that I continue to have that are still in my life today. And we cannot, we cannot rob these young people of being those people that they need and those people that we have. So coach, I'm going to say this one. This is going to be the last one since we already talked about servant leadership. That's normally how I end this. I end it this way. I tell people all the time, this is an exercise that I do. Life happens, much like you just said, those storms either have happened, they're going to happen, or you're on the other side of it, but they do come and they they're, they're, they don't discriminate. It does not matter what walk of life, you, life you're in, storms come, okay? But one of the things that I find is I'll sit there and it helps me remember that the same God that delivered me out of my past storm is the same God that will help me come out of my current storm. And I just say God is. And I'll continue to rip off just as many things that I can that he is to help remind me of the times that I find myself thinking on the problem and not on the problem solver. So if I say to you, God is, Coach Sutton, who is God to you? 
God is my provider. Uh, God Come is, on here. you know, my strength, you know, God is, uh, my Lord and savior, you know, God is, uh, the center, you know, of, of, of my, my being, you know, but, but the most important thing God is, he is dependable. That's good coach. That's good. And let me tell you why that's good for so many reasons. But how often do we seek and go to people first? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay. How often do we seek and go to people first with those problems? And then we get upset because they can't help. But God is dependable. He's just waiting on you. There's a quote that it says, if, if, if you distance yourself from God, who moved? Because he didn't. <laughs> there. So I charge you all today to come back to that dependable. Yeah providing God because he's there. Coach, you've been amazing. I mean, I'm so thankful that we were able to have this connection and be able to talk um, and converse even before we got on the day. I just want to thank you for your time. I say this every single time. Time is valuable. It is the one thing in life that once given, I can't give you this hour back. I cannot rewind it or exchange it for you, but I thank you that you found it not robbery to come on to talk to us just about your faith journey as we normalize coaches of faith. So before we get off today, I'm going to ask you two things. I'm going to ask you to leave one final nugget or encouraging line for coaches and leaders. And two, if you could close this out with a prayer, I appreciate it. Oh, absolutely. Um, the first thing, the, what I would say to to anyone is, one, keep keep striving. You know, keep keep striving for for whatever you are you're trying to accomplish. Uh, keep serving. Keep serving those people that 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 under your leadership. Keep sharing your knowledge, your time, and then finally, when you keep striving, you keep serving, and you keep sharing, you need to continue to keep soaring. And if we could, uh, in prayer, I would like to say, Heavenly Father, I come to you, asking you to bless all of us. Thank you for giving this opportunity for us to gather together. You've always said that when there's three or more, you are here and we can feel your presence right now. Dear Lord, I want to say thank you to everyone who came on tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to share uh, my faith. Thank you for the opportunity to share about my love for you, dear Lord. Continue to challenge us to become the men and women of God that you called us to be. Order our steps in your word, dear Lord. And most importantly, dear Lord, let us surrender. Let us be in a position that we just surrender it all over to you. And if we can just continue to trust in you, continue to believe in you, continue to serve you, dear Lord, then you will continue to guide us. You will continue to challenge us. Continue to, you will continue to help us become all that you've called us to be. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for this opportunity. I want to say thank you for Chelsea, for this beautiful platform that she has put together. And, and I want to say thank you to you, for what you've done for me in the past, what you're doing in my present, my life in the present, and what you're going to do for me in the future. We ask all these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Coach, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Keep striving, keep serving, keep sharing, and keep soaring. We appreciate you so much. You are now a part of the Servant Leader family. If there's anything we can ever do for you, all you got to do is reach out.